Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I am Zach. Adam, how are you on this day? I am good. It feels like uh, it's been about a month since we recorded our last episode, but I just checked. It was only eight days. (laughs) Yeah. Guys, so you know how we've been... We've been benchmarking these episodes a lot of the times by just letting letting people know that we are still on the bad times. Like, if you're going through and you're checking our old feed, as some people are wont to do, and you're like, I want to check out this episode. It seems like it'll be a good one. I want you to know that while we're recording this, we're either at the end of the bad times or at the start <laughs> of the bad times, and we don't know which one yet. The election has happened, and it technically is over, and some people just don't want to admit that. But I have hope, Adam. I have hope as well. I have so much hope. I'm being optimistic. I'm so hopeful, Zach. I'm full oh, you of just picked hope. up. You just picked up what I did there, didn't you? <laughs> no, this this. Episode... I just tried to say hope a couple more extra times because this episode's about hope. Yeah, this episode's about hope. Rebellions are built on hope. Hope floats. There's so many hopeful things in this world that we just got to <laughs> listen. If hope can float, then we all can float on. All right. All right. Whoa, man. <laughs> oh my God. That one got uh, you there. That one got you. I like that. We're talking about hope so, summaries. Yes. The, the mutant uh, Messiah, the, the savior. I love hope. I love hope so much. I do too. I think I love her more in concept than in execution, if I'm being real. <laughs> well, it depends on who's writing her. Um, but uh, these are um, some of the, the first stories where we really see Hope kind of break out on her own. Um, and uh, really try and, I guess, be the mutant messiah, be the savior. So uh, what's this first request that we have here? Well, the first request... The request uh, came from. Oh, we're Andrew doing the Robertson. request second, and we're doing the request yes. second, but that's fine. But Andrew Robertson did go over to Patreon.com/slash Battle of the Atom, dug deep into his hearts and his pocketbook, and said, "Y'all, I would like to support your good podcast." And thus, thus we took his money, and he said, "Please talk about Hope Summers," and we made a whole episode about her, so he should be happy. Uh, and if he's not, then no refunds. I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. You literally <laughs> gave us this money a while ago, and our list is very long. I'm sorry. Yes. It is a long There's list. a coin I'm... shortage, so, you know, there's no change. No change. No change. Get, not, don't, no ba- change bank doesn't, change bank doesn't open until 10. I can't get more change. I'm sorry. No change. <laughs> um, no. Uh, uh, <laughs> this is – so let's give some context for this first story. Should we should we give context? Do we want to live in a world with context, Adam? I do. I like living with facts and uh, science it's and great. information. Um, so we should give some context because we're about to enter the heroic age. Yeah, this is part of the heroic age. It hap- It's up. 
we're talking about the five lights. It's on KDX, been 526 to 529. Uh, it's written by Matt Action Fraction with art for the most part by Wills Portacio. Uh, this is this is coming right after uh, Second Coming. So for Hope's chronology, just came back from the future. Everyone tried to kill her in the present. Then her dad died. So Oof. she's having a rough one. Cable's yeah. going to be fine. Cable dies so much, guys. Y'all know how much <laughs> We were Cable just dies? talking about that. Cable you dies all the time. After this story where he dies in 2010, between 2010 and 2020, do you know how many times Cable dies? Like three minimum. I think That's... it might be more. And and we, we'll get to an element in a story later on today where he basically dies daily. So <laughs> we'll get to that. Yeah, we will. Uh, but no, so this is a, uh, this is right after that. So this is the fallout of, fallout of Second Coming. Uh, they're on Utopia. Everyone's having a good time. Hope is figuring out what she wants to be, what she wants to do. And she's decided, well, dad's dead. I guess, I guess I'll figure out what my birth parents were like. I, mm-hmm. To them, I just disappeared like six months ago. So I bet they're interesting. Uh, so she goes on that quest while the uh, two other storylines going through. One, five lights have appeared at the end of Second Coming on Cerebro, which are the five newest mutants that have uh, reappeared. The first mutants after M-Day. Uh, and then also, Emma Frost is really mad at Sebastian Shaw for reasons that you can check out our last episode just to get a general vibe of their dynamic. Uh <laughs> It's and fine. we've also you covered you don't need to the arc know much where about uh, that. she takes her revenge. So that's on another episode as well. Yeah, that's right after this. Right. Uh, so this is right after Magneto has brought Kitty Pride back from Bullet Space. Yeah. So she's so, still intangible. Again, uh, Kitty can't be tangible to tell the love of her life, Piotr Rasputin. <laughs> She loves him. I'm glad we've decided to stop doing that. I really (laughs) am. But man, we kept doing it. Even up until last year, we were doing it a little bit. Mm. And they had, they had gotten unmarried or gotten very close to getting married and then didn't before then. So it's a, man, we've got to stop with that one. Decades of that. Decades of that. Um, so yeah, I mean we're we're learning a couple things here. Um, we're I are am I mistaken that we learned that uh, Hope is like kind of a the Jesus baby, like no dad. Um, she had a dad. We don't know much about him, and we never find out anything about him, which is okay. great. Uh, we do find out about her mom, uh, whose name was Louise Spalding. Uh, also, also known as Wheezy, I guess you would think. Hey, sure. Hey, Hope, Hope's grandma, or Hope's mom. Uh, you know, Hope, the daughter of Cable. Mm-hmm. Her mom's named Wheezy. Get it? Get it? <laughs> it's Take great. that, Rob. <laughs> dad's not named Rob. His, um, I mean, we don't know. We don't know her dad's name. But yeah, they they that's they true. have a immaculate conception well i guess mary's technically the immaculate conception thing but y'all y'all know what i'm talking about yes in, the virgin in most birth. parlance people say that yes uh so we got that going on uh we we meet the five lights um well, four, who, four out of five 
eighty percent. Yeah, we don't meet the fifth one, right? Uh, but we we get most of them. Um, yeah, we get they're... we get Transonic, we get Velocidad, we get Feral, and we uh, get Idy. Uh, yes. Okinawa. Yes. Uh, I feel like Edie is really the only one. Is it Edie or Idie? I, I never really thought about that. I actually think it's Edie, and I screwed up real bad. My bad. Hey, no worries. I mean, she's got fire and ice powers, so... Uh, it's very I generic mean, powers. I don't... I, yeah. I feel like Edie's really the only one that kind of stuck around, though. I mean, they're the rest of these... And we'll talk more about them um, yeah, throughout I mean, the episode, well, but... Um, they're they're kind of weird characters. Like these are the you get a chance, Matthew. You get a chance, Matthew Fraction, which I actually think Kieran Gillen did a lot more about with these than Matt Fraction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know Jamie McKelvey did their designs. Uh, but you start with this, and you go with Blue Flying Girl. You go with <laughs> that's all she is. She's X Men colors, which means her skin's blue. Right. And she can fly very fast, which is a boring power set. That's that's basic level for most superheroes. Is and also you can fly, mm-hmm. uh, so that's a weird one for her to choose. I like I like Lori uh, Transonic as a character, uh, but she's not that interesting of a. She's like fine as a character. She's not anything special. No, you get Edie, who a lot of people really like. Uh, but I don't care for it too much because I have weird mixed feelings about the Aaron uh, Wolverine and the X-Men run. See, Edie is, in, is the most interesting of them because she's an actual character with a personality. Like, the rest of these... Like, she, the power sets on all of them are pretty dumb. Like, they're not particularly creative. It's like... Well, I'd say Feral, Feral is creative. Feral has a creative power set because he is... He has hyper survival instincts where he only thinks about feeding mating and fighting (laughs) which is an interesting idea and makes for not that interesting of a character because you can only do one of three things at all times and (laughs) one of them is incredibly inappropriate and probably like like maybe we shouldn't do that in a comic is have him want to mate with everyone all the time uh yes he's also basically just wild child i mean yeah (laughs) like all of these characters have some sort of equivalent for the most part velocity go fast right uh Um, okay i don't like so i don't i don't like Edie. only i think it's weird to have her be such a self-hating character and that never really get resolved like i get catholic guilt that makes sense but this whole thing about this this African child just thinking she is the worst monster of all the world and everything is terrible, uh, and no one really dissuading her from that all that much. Yeah, that I, I mean, don't it's, love. It's a rain. Uh, uh, it is. You know, it's just rain. It's pretty much just rain, right? Like same basic premise. I I like the character's evolution. Um, I I think a little higher of the Aaron stuff than I know you do, but. Um, I need to reread you know. it, but I said again, I all of this comes down it. to why would like, I want to reread it? I'll wait for the, I'll wait for someone go request it. I'll read it for the show. <laughs> um, I, I don't think this story is really helped by the fact that, uh, we're, we're dealing with ladder portacio art here, uh, for the majority of it as well. Um, and yeah, Wilkes is not doing his best work. Uh, it's. It's recognizable as Wills, 
And uh, there are parts of it where I'm like, wow, this, okay, this page is kind of cool. But even so, like the, the page layouts, the, the character designs, I think we've talked about him being on the book in this era because he, he does that uh, one of the issues that comes right before this. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, you know, he's he's not doing the same level of work that I think we kind of got used to in the nineties. Like it's just a different take on, on his, the evolution of his style. Yeah. I, I think the art suffers a lot in here. It just, it doesn't hit the emotional beats that you need uh, for the story. Right. It, it doesn't, it doesn't help heighten the story that should be a big deal. These are the first mutants in, I guess five years. Mm-hmm. These, but these are for X-Men. That's a lot to go without introducing new characters. These are the first ones and you do nothing with them. Like they're, they're just kind of there. I, I mean, that doesn't yeah. work for me. I love fraction as a writer. I think fractions incredibly talented. I don't think his uncanny X-Men run is very good. I would, I would love to see um, how the script for these issues describes, you know, how, how to lay out the pages because you know most comic script strips at least say like you know five panels i need this and this panel i need this and this and there there are certain pages here where the page layouts are basically just like oh here are four exactly the same rectangles and divide down the middle and divide down the middle and you know if you look at the the way wills is rendering some of these characters including their faces like it's not terrible it's it's just the the layout of the page and the way in which things are framed within panels, just they, there's a lot of weird, like negative space here. The storytelling is very weird. Well, um, I, I know that I know that Fraction is a very his scripting style is very much. I need to know what artist I'm going to be working with, and uh, I build a script around that. Now, how much of that has come since this era uh, when he was? on uncanny x-men and had to hit the schedules and make sure books were coming out and all that versus who he is in 2020 i don't know yeah yeah i don't i don't know either um so anyway hope gathers the five uh emma has some conversations with namor and uh tony stark um which is weird (laughs) <laughs> it's a it's a weird follow up from an annual that's not very good. That's all it is. Yeah. And the annual the annual sets up that not only does she hate Shaw, uh, but she hates him for very weird specific reasons. And Namor and Tony Stark are involved because they're all billionaires and they're all horrible. Uh, sure. I don't care for this story, that part of the story. I don't think it works very well. It's trying to pick up the relationship between Kitty and Emma from Astonishing, which is a good relationship in general, uh, mm-hmm. and. It's it's good that they have a dynamic, and that's now playing out beautifully in Marauders, uh, right? But we just don't get that much here. It's fine. yeah, it's what it is. Yeah. So I'm gonna go out on a limb and say this is kind of a dud. Like it's a as oh you yeah, said, it's a missed total missed opportunity. You know, if you're gonna be introducing, um, you know, the these miraculous mutants uh, to just well, here they are, and they're kind of just plain old old school mutants. Like <laughs> they're just not that interesting. Um, so doesn't doesn't really feel all that inspir- inspired. Um, 
So uh, what do you say we rank this on our giant list, Zach? Are you talking about our very long list of 432 X-Men stories ranked from best to worst, with the number one being the House of X and the Powers of Ten, number 100 being uh, the Nimrod uh, arc of New X-Men Academy X kiddos, uh, the 200 story being Cable 64, Twas the Night Before Dying. The 300th being Daken, Dark Wolverine, uh, 13 through 15, Moonwalking. The 400th being Magneto Rex. And the bottom story being the Draco. Yeah, that's that's the list. Um, I'm, not just, I'm just not thrilled by this. Like, I, I want to be... It's uh... not interesting or exciting or good is the problem. So it's better... At 4.15, we have a so- story from the Fraction Arc, Sisterhood. Uh, and it's it's better than that by a good margin. I don't think it's as good as... Um... At 260, we have Quarantine, which comes right after this. I was looking for that. Yeah, it's not as good as Quarantine. Uh, No. It's... I don't think it's as good as that Dayken Dark Wolverine arc at 300. No, I don't think it is either. So we're definitely going into the 300s here. Um, Um, What's 350? 350 is Fall of the Mutants. Uh, from New Mutants, and I think this is better than that. Yeah, I'll give it that. I don't think it's quite that bad. It's better than Cyclops um, Retribution from MCP. Mm-hmm. Uh, but okay, yes. I've got I've got one. I've got Ooh. one. I want to throw away. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead. At three hundred twenty-four is Cable twenty-six through twenty-eight, the long way, which is that mm. really. Weird one where Cable goes to Genosha, but there's that good uh, last thing where the whole issue is just a countdown, and that's pretty cool. I thought we kind of liked parts of that. So I did kind of like parts of that. I didn't gonna love say, all of it. I am going to uh, say that, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at what you're highlighting right now. So at 328 um, is that X-Force arc where they go back in time. The um, Haunting of Castle Doom. Yeah, to like stop to punch Nazis, and that was that was cooler than this. Yeah, but I think right. it's they better. Punch Nazis there. <laughs> I do think it's better than the Muir Island saga. Which... I agree with that. That's at three thirty. Yeah, which in Wills's defense, his art is much better in the Muir Island saga than it is here. Oh, absolutely. Um, but the storytelling is a little more coherent here, right? So it's what's just in between Matt here? Writing this one. Uh, that's Uncanny X-Men first, first Class number 8, The Curse of the Kralich. Uh That's the time that there was a Leprechaun murder mystery. Oh, right. I think the Leprechaun murder mystery is better because it's a Leprechaun murder mystery. <laughs> I was going to say, we got to give the edge to that. So this is our new 330. This is our new 330. It's Uncanny X-Men, The Five Lights. You want to talk more you know, about The Five Lights? Yeah, we gotta we gotta give some more airtime to these five lights. Uh, we gotta they, talk they about those five more lights. Screen time. You got gold balls. You got elixir. You got Proteus. <laughs> you've got Tempest. <laughs> Not those five. Oh, which I thought we were again about those five. as we talked about on our Hawksback issue. What a brilliant subversion of this idea to to twist it in half. Um, but instead, uh, why don't we throw him to Kieran Gillen and just have him fight uh, Akira? Like, that yeah. sounds great. <laughs> yeah, Kieran Gillen does in Akira. 
Hey, <laughs> I watched Akira for the first time uh, oh, over get the out. summer. I had What'd never think? seen it. Did I you think, like it? I think that everyone who thinks that that part where he's riding the motorcycle and then he slides the motorcycle, I think that looks pretty darn cool in that rules. Yeah. I think the rest of it, it's, I, it's fine. It's not <laughs> wow. Me. Wow. It's not for me. A ringing I, endorsement. <laughs> I think the sexual assault's like... a little uncomfortable in the middle of it for that teenage girl. I think that oh, part's there's... bad. Of I think there's, there's a lo- some like incredibly troubling elements of it. I think there's a lot of really bad anime tropes in there that I don't particularly care for. I do think that that Kanida gets turned into a weird squishy flesh monstrosity uh, and helps bring all of humanity to ascend into one another, which is weird. But he looks nice well, while he's doing it. He sure does. Uh, and uh, that's kind of what we've got going on here because the, the five lights are trying to um, find a new mutant, um, this kid Kenji. And, um, well, by the way, this is basically Hope 1 through 4. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she's sorry. We, uh, we forgot. It's Generation Hope 1 through 4, but he's pulling a what, Adam? Kieran Gillen and Salvador Espin <laughs> do this one. He's, he's, he's pulling, pulling a, a what, a, Adam? A, a, a Kanida, like Kanida, he's turning into like the the monster guy. Um, and oh, we should mention this is drawn by uh, Salvador Espin. Yep. Hey, not only is he doing that, literally in the second issue, there's a double page spread. That's the one. That's the second most famous image from Akira, uh, mm-hmm. with the with the explosion in Tokyo. Oh yeah. Uh, are they in Tokyo? The, yeah, they're in Tokyo here. They are, and he levels the city uh, with so. with the little orb, <laughs> with the like that perfect sphere orb thing that uh, happens uh, in Akira. Um, yep. So it's just Kieran Gillen launching a book by saying, "Y'all really like Akira, right?" <laughs> and that's that's basically what they're gonna do. They're gonna spend the the first arc here battling this like body horror monster and uh it's uh it's what's happening <laughs> it, that like, sure is the plot of this one do you like yeah. kenji um i mean it's an interesting idea i guess uh I don't really have much of a thought past the fact that it's kind of like a, a play on a very popular anime. Um, he's, you know, and, he and is essentially obsessed to, is the thing. He is obsessed with art and high yes. art ideals. I do. You, I do you, like that aspect of it. You know, like that's kind of an interesting play on, on things, the way the character is introduced. I just, the, that is very much like overshadowed by what he turns into. And the fact that like hope essentially has to turn herself into like a monster kind of thing to defeat him. Like it's, it basically turns into a, uh, into a Godzilla battle here. Do you know what they were going to call him before they, before they settled on his code name being, I guess he calls himself zero later in the series in generation, uh, hope. Do you know what his code name was going to be? I don't know. What was it? It was going to be Ray, uh, which is <laughs> Japanese for zero, but it's also 
uh, Ray from Neo Genesis Evangelion, the other anime I've seen. Oh man, classic. Who well, also has we... weird body horror stuff. Oh, big time. So yeah, I guess we know where uh, where where what Karen is watching in his off time. Um, but I, I just I don't know that it makes for like the most classic of stories. It's drawn really well. I think it's it's cool the way it's illustrated. Um, I, I like the, the monstrosity of it all. Oh, Espen, but, um, Espen sells the body horror stuff. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, much better than if we're, we're including issue four here, right? Where they go back and they have to undergo a bunch of tests with Dr. Nemesis. Yeah. Uh, which is drawn and I, I apologize. I had that wrong. Uh, Scott Koblish jumps in and does a little bit of stuff on that one with Salvador. Yeah. Like his version of Kenji. It's still pretty cool, but Espen, I think, has it, you know, it's it's grosser. He's, <laughs> with Espen. Espen is doing looser lines, and uh, and I don't know how much of this is Espen and how much, uh, well, he's inking himself. He's doing very sloppy inks. He's, he's having a thick stroke and letting, like, ink splatter get places and doing things like that. So it adds to, like, that chaos and that grimy grossness of Kenji. Uh so I think that that's the part that works the best, even if it's uh, an homage at best and derivative at worst. Mm. Uh, how do you feel about the interaction of the five lights? Do you think they make for a good team? I mean, the, no, no, because again, <laughs> they're they're still very much like non entities, and I don't see the character growth like. You know, we get to this point in issue four where Hope is, um, you know, starting a romance here. And I, I like and I just don't necessarily know how we're supposed to be building to these things with these characters that don't feel like they have a ton of life to them yet. Mm-hmm. Unless you disagree. I, I no, just don't I don't see disagree it. because yeah. like what you get is ID who hates herself. Right. Tion. Feral, who has no personality except for, again, fight, mate, and eat. Right. So what can you and do? And he does you fight can... Wolverine, which is a good part. <laughs> that's the that's the best part with him. Wolverine's like, okay, I guess we're going to fight, right? And he's like, yeah. yep. And then they fight. Uh, but Velocidad is the flirty boy. And mm-hmm. Lori is just mad that she's in this situation. Yeah. And that's it. And that's that's their one character trait for these four issues. Uh, and it's... I like Hope a lot. She's, she's the title character of this book. It's Generation Hope. Mm-hmm. I do think it's an interesting choice to kick off your new, you know, book about this new team of mutants with not focusing on the new characters and instead focusing on hope who has even if she's newer been around for a few years at this point like hope's established you know what her deal is even if she's still trying to figure out who she is in Mm -hmm. this world where she's already saved the mutants well and i mean what have we been talking about since we started talking about this we've been talking about the kenji character so Really, the majority of the focus of the first four issues is on the introduction of this new character, its massive uh, destruction 
of Tokyo and then bringing him back to Utopia where he's still kind of transforming and becoming whatever it is he's supposed to be. He, he thinks it's art. He's becoming Um, art. I'm becoming art. Uh, So, you know, like with that much screen time devoted to this new character, we're not getting any sort of character development with the rest of uh, the, the lights, which, you know, you would think that that's exactly what this book would be for. Right. Like, I think I think Ivy's the only character of the lights who ever gets any real characterization, and she gets written out of this book. Like ah, halfway through the run, she gets written out to go to Wolverine and the X Men. Yeah. Well, hey, and at least there, you know, I mean, whether you like it or not, Aaron did utilize that character quite a bit in that series. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think these characters are kind of doomed from the start because no one ever swoops in to rescue them. Um, mm-hmm. and they, they don't evolve. So, you know, they're, they're just kind of like, I don't know. They're, they're not doing much of anything here. So what, what so wait, can, hold on. I got one thing to ask you. You have you read, you have not read the rest of this run, right? No, I have not. Do you know who all joins the team by the end of um, this? Um, I believe, uh, doesn't Pixie join the team? Pixie joins the team, yes. And, um... No girl joins the team. Yeah, no girl. And Sebastian Shaw. Wait, what? That doesn't make sense. (laughs) An adult? (laughs) Look, man, I didn't write it. James Asmus did on that one. Okay. Uh, But we're not talking about that story. That's just a little teaser for you on what's uh, coming. Now I'm mildly curious. Um, there's actually there's actually better issues of this run uh, right after this. Like I I think the rest of what Gillen does is a good amount stronger than this mm-hmm. opening arc of Generation Hope. Uh, but this one this one lands pretty flat for me. Uh, I I don't want to like absolutely uh, condemn it because I do think the <laughs> the anime you know sort of homage is kind of fun you know. It's not like it's this uh, this awful thing. It just it's a very strange way to open your book with. It's such a, a weird way to open your book, right? Yeah, that's like arc three. You're like, hey, I really like Akira. Can I? I Marvel. I know you love Akira. I know no one could as long as someone references Akira, you're never going to give them any repercussions for anything ever. So can I do an Akira riff? Yeah. And, and if you're going to do it, maybe it's just like a giant size X-Men type thing where you use this like kind of weird, grotesque villain to give your, your new characters some screen time to develop. Yes. But we don't get any of that. You know, there's nope. no sort of highlight pages to, to give you an idea of who these people are. Um, but I do think it's. Uh, do you think it's better or worse than the the five lights arc that we were? I think it's better about? than the five. Lights. I think it's I like better. It. I, I think like it's better, better than. I think it's better than three hundred two Monet Vampire Hunter. I would agree. I, I was looking at that as well. Um, How do you looking... feel about it compared to uh, Uncanny X Men four hundred one to four hundred six X Core? Um, I think X Core is taking maybe some more risks uh in, in just trying something new i didn't love that 
I think I probably liked the art in Generation Hope better. Well, I've got um, I've got a good comparison that's right up above it. So hold hold tight. Okay. How do you compare? How do you think of it compared to number two eighty one, Children of the Atom from uh, the mid nineties, uh, the thirty fifth anniversary special where all of Cerebro's X Men showed up? Oh, that's much better. I mean, it's silly, but it's that's a much better story, and I would. Definitely argue that the highlights of Extinction Agenda are better than this. That's a two. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I I did not see Extinction Agenda. That one's better. How do you um, feel about it compared to like? See, okay, a two eighty seven is, is Bishop's Crossing. Bishop's it's not as good Crossing. as Bishop's Crossing. I, I can't put it ahead of that. Um, um, I think there's some other stuff here, like the X twenty three arc. Um, is it better or worse than? X-Men Primer. X-Men Volume 4, 1 through 3 Primer. The Brian Wood, uh, Olivier Coipel, who does covers on this. That's uh, actually a really good comparison. Because that's, again, a villain-centric kind of story. But I might give the edge to this, honestly. I think Kenji's a more interesting thing than um, Arkea. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Uh, I don't like it as much as Girl School from Heck, though. No. Girl no. School so from that Heck make it got our good new art. 291? This is our new 290 where one generation hope one through four. The future is a four letter word. All right. That word is well, hope. The words hope. That's the, that's the joke <laughs> of this. It's not a cuss. The words hope. So man, uh, if you can tell that Barack Obama was very recently appointed president when this book was conceived, <laughs> this was uh, before the Senate hope- got taken over and he stopped being able to do anything, but just yeah. right before. Yeah, well, they got a lot done before that. Um, Listen, Obama wasn't perfect, but no, dang, dang. Every president is a war criminal, uh, but here's you know we, we can still I mean, have some, wrong. some dignity, right? Uh, all right, so Hope is an interesting character, but I, the Love weirdest, Hope. I think the weirdest take on Hope is probably the story we're going to talk about next, right? Yes, you're absolutely right. Uh, we're actually going to talk about the last arc in a run that I like a good amount. I think it's flawed, but I think it's uh, it's got a lot of interesting stuff going on. It's Cy Spurrier's X-Force, and we're going to be talking about issues 11 through 15, Us versus Them. Um, written by Cy Spurrier, uh, with art uh, on most of the issues by Rocky Kim, uh, with Tang Yen Hut and uh, Kevin Sharp. Uh, filling in on uh, issue 13. Now, we have not talked about this series before yet on the show, have we? We have not. We have not. We have talked about uh, Spurrier's X-Men Legacy. We've talked about X-Club. And we've talked about, uh, well, I guess it is X-Men Legacy, the annu- the three number 300, uh, yes. the Forget-Me-Not story. Yeah. But we've um, not talked about his X-Force. This is a weird book, and I like it a lot. What a strange, like, out there. Spurrier's really kind of pushing uh, pushing the edges here. Like, especially because this came on the heels of Cable and the X-Force, which this I is... also enjoyed, but... <laughs> so, so it... let's let's talk about X-Force as a brand. Yes. In the, in the 2000s, in the, in the, in the, let's call it present, but 20 years ago, times... You had X-Force got turned into X-Statics, 
And then right. they said, okay, but that's really X-Statics. That's not X-Force, and that's fair. And then the Rob came back for a hot band, and they tried to do the 90s again and said, nope, that don't work. And then they switched it up, and they said, well, let's make them all be the bad murder team. And <laughs> right. there's good and bad in that. Uh, yep. And that's the same direction that uh, Rick Remender's Uncanny X-Force takes with the team. Mm-hmm. But then they decide to do something completely different which is the Cable and the X-Force run, which is a little goofier and a little more fun, uh, and at the same time, a a second volume of Uncanny X-Force that we've talked about on the show that I don't like, but some people like. That that did not work. Um, Then Spurrier makes them like, no, we're going to be a Black Ops team. Like, you want me to write a Black Ops book? I'm going to write a Black Ops book, and we're going to talk about how this is a... These are... Adam, you know how you just talked about how all presidents are war criminals? <laughs> these these folks have some issues. That's this uh, book. This this book is, hey, all of X-Force are war criminals and they're really bad. And the Central Intelligence Agency and nation building is horrible and forces people to cross giant moral lines. Because they are broken individuals who have to fight for supremacy. And if we are fighting for supremacy and fighting against one another, we are only going to tear each other down. And if we can work together and build something like a group of five people coming together and joining hands and becoming a resurrection machine, then we can have eternal life. And that eternal life is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Or also, I mean, I guess, Krakoa? (laughs) Wow, that was quite the the leap. Um, Listen, but, I try. She is the mutant messiah. To be fair, yes. To be fair, hope to, hope is to the, be fair is the mutant messiah. However, uh, the hope that we uh, get, encounter in the majority of Spurrier's X Force run um, is almost unrecognizable because hey, she is trapped name, on the astral plane and being represented by a dead mutant named Mimi. Or like, meme. Like, like, like funny pictures on the internet, even though that's not what meme <laughs> used to mean, but now that's what meme means. How people got bad that image macros were not memes, but then image macros did become all memes, and they did subsume the idea culturally of a meme. Hey man, language is flexible, and it changes over time, but... Um, Mudkip I, you I, like? I always Can read I this has as... cheeseburger? Do you say meme or meme because meme, meme is capital. The M's are capitalized in the character name on the introduction page. So I never I think, knew. I think Sysperier wants it to be Mimi because he truly believes in the uh, like uh, sociolog- sociological idea of a meme, an idea that is you know like spread through culture, through zeitgeist and things like that like a virus or something like that, that like you don't know where it came from. It's just this ever present thing that's now spread through ideas. Um, But it's meme because that's what we all decided it was. (laughs) Well, and meme meme or meme is an interesting visualization because it's a series of floating projectors that is basically creating a 3d holographic image of a head. That has it's sort a of drone. Like a, it's a drone. A rainbow. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like it's just this floating drone head. Um 
And that is also hope, but it's unbeknownst to the majority of the team. Um, Memes an alive but brain-dead mutant who is hanging out next to Hope, who is also uh, in a coma, and Hope copied her powers. That's how it happened. That's important to know that there's like, there is a logic to it. This, because it sounds like nonsense what you and I are saying. Well, if you jumped in at any point, you could be completely lost because we've got a cable that is uh, cloning himself daily. Every day. Every every day. day. So he has to be killed at the end of every day. We have a domino who is off on a secret mission working for a secret villain who turns out to be Mojo. Can we talk about Yellow Eyes for a second? Yeah, Yellow Eyes. Like, this is the most bonkers reveal in this book. <laughs> it's weird, but it works. So, Oh, it works great. It's just so, like, I, I remember when this was coming out, and I was so blown away by that reveal. It was, it's a real weird one. Because Yellow Eyes, he is a... He is an information broker. He is a surveillance guy. And when you see when you see Mojo, you're like, oh, son of a gun. He would be the one to have a bunch of TVs. He already knows how cameras work. <laughs> right. But he's wedged himself into this body, like he's this Krang body. He's wished himself into, like, yeah, Krang. <laughs> right. He's Krang. He's Krang. He's very good. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Um, so... The, the lineup here of psychos is uh, is cable clone cloning cable. Um, we have Psylocke, who, uh, again, building off of Remender's run, doesn't like, she, you know, doesn't want to kill. She is horny for murder in this one. Um, we have Marrow, who has uh, traded her unborn child for her powers back and is lost her gosh darn mind. Um, Phantom X, who we'll get it probably into a little bit more depth in a second. Um, Dr. Nemesis, and uh, we mentioned Domino Ari. But we also have Forget Me Not, who is making an appearance in this story <laughs> uh, for his second appearance in uh, X Love so he- Forget Me Not. And I love what Forget Me Not's role in this is. Mm-hmm. Because Forget Me Not essentially says, Y'all, what are you doing? You're doing so much murder. <laughs> right. Don't, don't do that. Hope, why are you complicit with all of this murder? Well, because my dad raised me in an apocalyptic wasteland and murder was all we knew. And he's like, that's fair. But look, memes over here and she's dying and she's really cool and she's innocent and she just wants to help out. And maybe, maybe you could not do a murder. Anyway, he's great. Phantom X has gone very crazy and does want to prove that he's the best thing that's ever existed by murdering everything else. Right. Yeah, because he has the defect that that, uh, indicates that he is the best at everything. And when this is the only part of this storyline that I really think is icky and I do not like is the fact that Hope and Phantom X have some sort of like... I don't know how to describe it's it. It's not. Is it a hookup? Is it a. It's not a hookup because they're. It's astral. It's There's not physical. But it's they not even astral. Like... It's digital. Yeah. It's once and zero. They're cybering. Hope cybering with Phantom X. 
But Phantom Ex, but Hope is pretending she's not Hope. So Hope is catfishing Phantom X, but Phantom X knows that Hope's catfishing him because he knows right. everything because he's the best. And he's playing along with it so that he can get his goals. So it's gross and it's bad. And Phantom X is supposed to be the bad character in this. I don't like that happening to Hope. I think that's bad and gross, and I don't like that very much. Uh, yeah. It's nothing explicit. It's a thing that could be done worse. Uh it's that thing where Hope was a kid for so long, and even now that she's, like, pretty much not a kid, she's still a kid. She's still and a kid, though. Like, yeah, I think we're supposed to feel like it's gross, but it is gross. Yeah. Well, anyway, Phantom X is not supposed to be uh, the good guy here. Um, he goes, like, full-on Antichrist here. And, um, man, he's absolutely insane in in the last couple issues of this. Now, yeah, you brought up an interesting point. You said that you believe that there's like a, a turning point towards the end of this this uh, arc here, right? Well, so if you if you like look at the way the book had been paced for a while, mm-hmm. you get a couple of a couple of stories that move in. It's moving at a general pace uh, up through about issue twelve, uh, which is when you get the yellow eyes reveal and you get all this stuff. And then issue 13 kicks into place and everything has to go as fast as possible to the point that the book even makes fun of itself by saying, Hey, we caught the big villain that we've been trying to catch off page. Isn't that dumb? <laughs> to be fair, Mojo's saying, isn't it dumb that you guys caught him off page? That's dumb, right? Yeah. I'm like a hundred percent sure. That's when Cy Spurrier found out, Hey, Cy, you got three issues to wrap this one up. Uh, and it's, it's still a really cool finale because it's just this like insane over the top action packed finale that involves an army of cable clones. Um, and what a fantastic finale with hope, um, you know, basically taking over X-Force and telling uh, her father that he's fired. <laughs> so like, for me, the finale works because there is strong emotionally resonant stakes for every one of the characters involved with maybe the exception of dr nemesis uh but dr nemesis is he's a bit character that superior writes well that's fine he's he's, he's always doing, just dr nemesis right he's doing his thing dr nemesis doesn't need character growth he needs to <laughs> punch nazis and do science that's all he's yeah. got to do he's perfect yep. the way he is no one hurt dr nemesis he's he's just fine everyone else though does get a like they get a reason to care about this arc. They get a reason to fight. They get a reason to want to stop Phantom X. Uh, and they all, they all like kind of grow as people in a short amount of time while a lot of plots going through. And even if it's not done perfectly, I have to commend Spurrier for his economy of storytelling here. Cause he does a lot in a small page count. I would have Absolutely. loved to see, the full version of this, but I think the version we have is good and interesting and does tell a story. I do too. Um, one thing we have not talked about is Rocky Kim's artwork, um, which I remember when the book came out was somewhat received poorly. Um, I can I believe like it, it a lot. I like it a lot. I can totally understand why it would not be someone's cup of tea. But I think for a story this off kilter, it works pretty well. I I, it, I really it's like definitely, it. It's definitely off kilter. I think that's a great way to describe it. It's very scratchy. Uh, it can almost feel a little flat. 
mm-hmm. think is a way you could describe it. It's very, you know, it's it's stuck in there. Uh, it's grimy. It's not something you see a lot in comics, though I'm not going to say I love it. I think I think it's an acquired taste, and I think on some panels and some pages it works better than others. I think that's fair. It's definitely, like I said, it's not going to be for everyone. And I do think there's an interesting alternate timeline where, um, uh, who's the who's the guy from X Men Legacy that does the fill in issue here? Uh, Tongi and um, Hut. Yeah, the, I I think Tongi and Hut. His issue is absolutely gorgeous as well. Love um, it. I really I really like the artwork there. And there's an interesting, like you know, just in my brain, just imagining what the series would look like if the illustrator was, was him throughout. Um, but I, I do like the, the weirdness of Rocky Kim's stuff. Like it's just, so it's weird. weird. Yeah. And it fits Spurrier's like, just what am I reading here? You know, I really, I, and it, it stinks for Spurrier. Cause like, I, I think he just got um, the short end of the stick doing Hellblazer too. He did. Hellblazer got caught up with, uh, with, with the COVID, Rona, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah Spurrier, stinks, Spurrier's great. Spurrier's Spurrier does not always work for me. He's he's done some stuff that I've liked. He's done some stuff that I was a little cold on. Spurrier is always one of the most interesting writers playing right now. He's Absolutely. going to do something cool. He's yep. going to do something different. Is it always going to play well? I don't know. It'll depend. He's going to make me read a Black Knight book in, next month, and I hate Black Knight. I hate Black Knight so much, and I'm going to read that Black Knight <laughs> King in Black one shot that he's do- doing because it's my superior, and I'm like, it's going to be yeah, good. I'll it's going to be it interesting. Out. You know, it's it will good be writing. <laughs> he's definitely somebody to watch out for uh, whenever, whenever he's doing something. So, um, let's let's get into ranking this because I I enjoy this quite a bit. I think this is my favorite story that we ranked on this set of episodes. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, yep, yep. I'm going up the list. I think it's better than uh, 246 is Sabretooth in Charge from Weapon X. I think this is better than that. Yep. Uh, I'm trying to find. Uh, I think this is better than the first Purple Era X-Force issue at uh, 216. That's X-Force 44. I can get behind that. Um, I think I like it better than the uh, Christina Strain uh, Generation X 6 and 7, which we ranked recently. I agree with that. Um, I'm looking I'm looking at this list. Would it's... you put it ahead of uh, Brood Trouble and the Big Easy? Yeah, I mean, like, here's the thing, Adam. Let's compare the storytelling in Brood Trouble and the Big Easy <laughs> to this versus... That that one does have Wolverine and Ghost Rider being broods on fire. Yeah. Like, I, you know what? I'm jumping up this list. Um, I think this is better than Phoenix Resurrection at 185. 165 is Shatterstar, the Tim Seeley series. Uh, I think this is better than that. Though I think we're getting close to the right area of the list. Yeah. How do you feel about it compared to 152, which is the X-Men Blue Crosstime capers this is probably better than cross time capers all right so but i don't up. know if it's that much better because i don't think it's better than mm, i don't know if i would put it ahead of the quest for magic from new x-men 
I agree. That's at 150 right now, but I would put it above our 151, which is X Factor Volume 3, number 16, No Dominion. I would agree with that. So this is going to be our new 151. 151 is X-Force Volume 4, 11 through 15, Us versus Them. Check the, check out that X-Force run. You might have slept on it. It's actually, even if it's not a perfect run and it has some warts. like Super interesting. It's, it's worth reading because it's, at least it's not just another X-Men story. Nope. Like, it's there's wild. not a lot like it. Uh, so that's our episode. I want to thank Andrew uh, for supporting our show this week. Andrew, again, went on over to patreon.com slash battle of the atom. He threw money our way. And if you want to be like him, you can do the same thing. And we'll make an episode all about you. We also have some new and exciting. Uh, actually, no, we haven't touched the tears in a while. But it's the same ones. You can get episodes <laughs> early if you want. You can... You know, give opinions on other episodes that or other stories that we can do during an episode. You can you can do stuff. It's fine. Go check it out. <laughs> or don't. If you don't, tell a friend about it. Give this episode one of them old retweets and say, Hey y'all, I really liked this one. And maybe if you're feeling if you're feeling spicy, go on over to the like the iTunes review place and just leave an iTunes review real quick and say, Y'all, this is a good podcast. <laughs> Hey, Adam, where can people find you on those interwebs? Folks, you can always find me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy And uh, Zach, what's the latest and greatest with uh, Xavier Files? Well, the Xavier Files Media Empire is growing daily. It is a mimetic idea that will assume us all. Uh, <laughs> and we shall, we shall become part of that great hive mind and ascend to the heavens. Uh, where we will make dumb video edits of Avengers Endgame <laughs> that people that take great. very seriously. <laughs> that people people think you're very serious when when I don't know how clear you could have been that it was a big joke that you made on Twitter. <laughs> Go check out the Xavier Files on Twitter if you want to understand that reference, or don't. It, you're frankly, you'll probably save two minutes and be happier for it. Uh, but Xavier Files also has a lot of really cool reviews and news articles and editorials. Uh, so go check that out. Uh, we've got stuff about Ten of Swords. There's so many swords. There's ten of them. There's an arm wrestling tournament between Pogger Pog, the Crocodile Man, and Magic. It's a weird book. <laughs> um, Exciting but that's stuff. But that's all we've got going on. Uh, next week, Adam, do you know what we're going to talk about? What are we going to talk about, Zach? We're going to get Ultimate. And we're going to talk Ultimate. about Ultimate X-Men stuff, but we're going to talk about Ultimate X-Men stuff that y'all don't remember and don't know mm. about because you stopped reading by this point. <laughs> and the Ultimate Universe post-Ultimatum? Wild. <laughs> but until then, guys, this has been Battle of the Atom. We hope you survived the experience. Get it!